Welcome to Awaken to Grace. I'm Chad Robertson. I'm so glad you're with me today because we are in Isaiah 40, this all familiar scripture that they who wait upon the Lord, they shall renew their strength. Oh, I want to break down each phrase of this amazing text today, and you are going to be stunned at the truth and how relevant it is in our life. You know, today as we talk about they, who are they? I want to talk specifically to those who are willing to wait. Those Hannahs who are waiting year after year for the Lord to respond. Those Abrahams and Sarahs who know what it is to wait. Friends, as I face blindness, as I have uh, entered this not only different season, this difficult season of blindness. Oh, friends, I am preaching from my soul this sermon on what it means to wait on the Lord. I'm so glad you're listening. If it speaks to you, I want to hear from you. Send me an email today on what the Lord's doing in your life. Pastor Chad Roberts at gmail.com. Well, let's go today. Isaiah 40. How to Wait on the Lord. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 40 today. I have a word that is burning in my soul. I want to talk today about what it means to wait on the Lord. If you are someone that you are currently in a season of waiting on God, if you are someone that you have been waiting on God for a while, then you are who I am preaching to today. Waiting on God is one of the most difficult things a Christian can do. And ironically, When we pray, you know, God always answers prayer. You realize that? God will say one of three things when you and I approach him with a request. God will either say yes, and we thank God for the times that he says yes. He's a good father, isn't he? A good father. A good father. And the Bible says that all good things come from above. Every single thing that's good in your life comes directly from the Lord Jesus Christ. Every good thing. But God often will tell us no. Just like a wise father. Wise parents do not say yes to everything, do they? That is the shortest route to raising a future juvenile delinquent. Say yes to everything your children want. And you'll be well on your way to ruining their life. A wise parent does not always say yes. They often say no. Now, it's good to say yes as much as you can. But not always. Like a wise father. God will often say no. What did Jesus teach us? Often we'll ask for a fish, thinking it's a fish, but what does God know it is? A serpent. We'll ask for bread, thinking it's bread, but what does God know that it is? A stone. 
God in his wisdom will often say no. And you and I need to be as grateful and we need to be as thankful for the times that God says no as much as when he says yes. But the third one is perhaps the most difficult. Often God says wait. Am I preaching to anyone today who knows what it is to wait on the Lord? Does anyone know how tiring it can be to wait on the Lord? Does anyone know how exhausting it can be? How often discouraging it can be? How often frustrating it can be? Many people have grown disillusioned with God. They have gotten hurt by God. They have become offended by God because He did not say yes and He did not say no. Instead, God said, wait. And we do not like to wait, do we? How many of you are not like a crock pot? You're like a microwave. You need it now. How many of you know, say amen if you know it. How many of you know God is not Amazon Prime? You don't pray and it's there the next day. There's no membership you can join with God to get it the next day. God doesn't work that way. No, sometimes we have to wait. And waiting can be one of the most difficult experiences that a believer will go through. And I think this is what Isaiah had in mind when the Holy Spirit breathed out through him these amazing scriptures. Go to Isaiah 40 with me. I want to begin in verse number 27. Many of you will recognize my text today. Many of you know the verse, but they who wait for the Lord shall mount up as what? Wings. Oh, you know it. Amen. Wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not what? Faint. Amen. Boy, you know it. Amen. But I want to back up and I want to go to verse 27 to understand a little more context as a foundation for today. I want to talk specifically to those who are waiting on God. I want to talk to those today who have but little strength. I want to talk to those today who you are in a struggle. And you don't quite know what to do. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 27. Isaiah says, O Israel, O Jacob. In other words, O people of God. Oh, the remnant of God, the chosen by God. Why do you say, my way is hidden from the Lord? My rights are disregarded by God. In other words, Isaiah is saying, why do the people of God often complain about God? Why do the people of God often complain to God? Because let me tell you, one of the choice weapons of the enemy is to bring such discouragement into our life that he will be right there telling you, God does not care about your life. God doesn't care what you're going through. God isn't paying attention to you. Oh, he'll shift your eyes over to the Joneses and he'll shift your eyes over to the Smiths and he'll show you this family and he'll show you that family and he'll say, oh, they've got it all together and they've got the perfect life and they've got everything that you want. Oh, he loves for you to scroll through social media and wish your life was like these other people. 
Why is my way hidden from God? Why are my prayers unanswered? Why does someone on the prayer sheets, we pray for them, and God answers like that, and yet I haven't seen a thing from God? Why does the church pray, and this person, I see this, and this person, I see that, but God hasn't done a thing yet that I can see? I don't know about you, but I'm preaching to me today. I know from experience what I'm preaching on. I've prayed with so many people for healing, and God will heal them right then. I'll pray for someone for healing, and I'll get a phone call the next day or the next week. Pastor Chad, let me tell you what God has done. And yet here I sit in darkness. I know what I'm talking about today. Why is my way hidden from God? Why are my rights disregarded? Now, Isaiah is going to do something that I think is masterful. He's going to take our eyes that we see our own little bubble and we see our own problems and we see our own difficulties. And Isaiah is going to shift our eyes from other people and from ourselves. And Isaiah is going to put our eyes on God on high. Now look at verse number 28. Say amen if you're with me. Isaiah says, have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator to the ends of the earth. Hallelujah. And then look what he says. He does not grow faint. He does not grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. You see what Isaiah is going to do? He's going to take my eyes off of woe is me and I'm the victim and nothing ever works out for me and God never answers my prayer and God isn't paying attention to me and Isaiah goes, oh no child of God, lift your head up, look to the Lord because you're not praying to some man. You're not praying to somebody who's wishy-washy. You're not praying to somebody that maybe he can and maybe he can't. Or worse, maybe he simply won't. No, Isaiah says, let me tell you who God is. He is everlasting. He's the creator to the ends of the earth. Hallelujah. Do you realize that when you and I pray to God, we are praying to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Do we approach him that way? Do we approach him as the God that he is? That there is none beside him? Do you and I approach God that way? The everlasting. The creator. Huh. What's the Lord saying? His Understanding is unsearchable. Boy, I I was just thinking about that real early this morning. And I was thinking, oh, Lord, that's why I can submit to your plans. That's why I can submit to your will. That's why your ways are high above my ways and your thoughts are far above my thoughts. 
That's why when you say yes, I can say hallelujah. And when you say no, I can say amen. And when you say wait, I can say praise God. Because the understanding of the Lord, you and I can't understand it. We can't find it out. We don't know what God's doing and what God is allowing. His understanding is unsearchable. Do you see why you can trust him? I heard years ago a saying I've never forgotten. When I can't see God's hand. In other words, I don't know what God's doing. When I can't see his hand, I can trust his heart. His understanding is unsearchable. That phrase, that all-important phrase right there, that ought to make you say amen to the plans of God in my life. That ought to make you say, I say, yes, Lord. You walk me through the refiner's fire, yes, Lord. You lead me to the mountaintop, yes, Lord. You lead me down into the valley where the fruit grows, yes, Lord. Your understanding is unsearchable, and I trust you to the fullest. What a Praise in the word of God. I'm telling you, people of God, if you will take your prayer life, if you will take every prayer request you have right now, if you'll take every question you have before God, if you take every doubt that you struggle with, if you take everything that is confusing to you at the moment, and if you'll insert this phrase, God's understanding is unsearchable, it'll bring faith into your life. It'll bring faith to you. Some of us, in our pride and in our arrogance, we think we have to have everything about God figured out. Friends, if I could know everything about God, then why would I need Him? If I knew everything about God, then why would I worship Him? You and I have to come into a realm of faith where we are okay not knowing everything. Come on now, right? See, I'm the type of person, I can handle most things as long as I know it's coming. It's when I get blindsided by life. That's what I hate. And see, I'm the type of person. Now, I'm a planner. Anybody else a planner? Anybody like to know what's coming ahead of the curve and you look far out? You know, the Lord don't let us see far out, does he? The Bible says that the word is a lamp to our feet and a light unto our path. When you're walking with a lamp, how far down the road can you see? Just the next step or two. Oh, that drives me crazy. I tell the Lord, I say, Lord, I don't want a lamp. I want one of those redneck deer lamps (laughs) that people put on the side of their truck. That you can see two miles down the road. That's what I want. And the Lord goes, no. You walk by faith, not by sight. No, you're not going to see down the road. No, you're not going to see what's ahead of the curve. I have given you a lamp, and that lamp lets you see the next couple of steps. You know, believers have two feet. And you know why we have two feet? We trust and we obey. 
You take a step and you trust. You take another step and you obey. You take a step and you trust. You take a step and you obey. And what's the word say? The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. And all of a sudden you begin to walk in God's ways. You begin to walk yourself right into God's will. But some of us are frustrated all the time because we can't see way down the road. God don't want you to see way down the road. He wants you to trust way down the road. God is everlasting. He's creator to the ends of the earth. He does not faint. He does not grow weary. Praise God. Do you realize that the Bible says he, ne- he, he, he never slumbers, nor does he sleep? How many of you got a great night's rest last night? How many of you just broke my rule? Hmm. And then worse, some of you are nodding. I did. <laughs> God has designed us that we have to sleep. And do you know, do you know, uh, and, and I'm not kidding here. I'm being very serious. I'm being very serious. There are sometimes I will feel so exhausted in my body. I have worked so hard. I have thought so hard. I'll tell the Lord, Lord, I'm going to sleep as worship to you. Because do you know what sleep says to the Lord? Do you know what sleep says to us? It says to us, I'm not God. And I'm not self-sufficient. I'm going to have to lay down. I'm going to have to rest. And you know what you're telling God? It says to God, God, I can't do everything. And I can't control everything. And I'm not in charge. And I'm not as important as I think I am. And I can't control everything like I think I can. Lord, I'm going to have to close my eyes. I'm going to have to shut down. And I'm going to have to trust you. I see sleep as a wonderful act of worship. Because you know what I'm telling God? I'm telling God I'm not self-sufficient. Jeremiah 2.13 Verse 14, wonderful verses in the Bible. The Bible says, My people have committed two evils. One, they have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, God says. And two, they have, they've hewed out cisterns for themselves. But they're broken cisterns, cisterns that can hold no water. You know what that verse is saying? That verse is saying that you and I are not self-sufficient. We need God. Oh, how we need him. I just laugh when I hear unbelievers go, oh, oh, religious people. Oh, religion is just a crutch. I don't know. Maybe if we're religious people. But let me tell you, Jesus Christ is the solid rock. And you know what the psalmist said? When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to that rock that is higher than I. I don't lean on a crutch. I stand on a rock. And I feel sorry for people that don't have that stability. I feel sorry for people that don't have that assurance. I feel sorry for people that's never experienced such comfort and such confidence to say, no, the situations of my life are outside of my control and I am overwhelmed. But no, 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 no. God leads me to a rock that is higher than myself. See, I'm not self-sufficient. But when I lean on God, when I stand on God, 
He is sufficient. Why? He's everlasting. He's the creator to the ends of the earth. He does not faint. He does not grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Praise God. Amen. Because of this, look at verse 29. He gives power to the faint. (laughs) Those who have no might, he increases our strength. How many of you need that today? You need God to intervene in your life. You need God to step right in the middle of your mess. You need God to grant you his strength. You need God to grant you his wisdom. You need God's direction for your decisions. Oh, let me tell you, I am in this room above all people. I am the most dependent upon the Lord Jesus Christ. I need him. I need him. I need him. The God who does not faint gives power to the faint. What a contrast, amen? Can we appreciate what Isaiah is saying? So let's back up. Verse 27, what's he say? Listen, why are we complaining? Why are we saying, God don't understand. My ways are hidden from God. He's not paying attention to me. My rights are disregarded. And Isaiah goes, oh, have you not heard? Have you not known? Have you not heard that God is the everlasting God? The creator to the ends of the earth. He does not faint. He doesn't grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. So what's the conclusion of such a God? He gives power to the faint. He increases the strength of those who have no might. And now Isaiah, in a masterful way, he's now going to shift our focus back down to humanity. And look what he says. Even youths will faint and grow weary. Young men will fall from exhaustion. Oh, you know what Isaiah is doing? He's showing us the frailty of man. He's showing us our insufficiency. He's saying, you think you've got it all together? You think you're young? You think you're strong? You think you know it all? You think you can handle anything that life throws at you? No, he says, let me tell you, you'll grow weary. You will faint. You'll fall from exhaustion. What good gospel news that there isn't a one of us in this room today who is self-sufficient. You know what I see this verse like? Anybody ever go out to Duck Island, out here to Warriors? If we took our entire congregation today to Duck Island and we stood on the shores of the lake there at Warriors and we said, who among us can jump from one shore to the next shore? Who could do that? And it wouldn't matter if someone raised their hand and said, I'm young. It doesn't matter. If someone said, I'm in peak performance shape, it doesn't matter. Oh, I go to the gym faithfully. It doesn't matter. There isn't a one of us who would have the ability to jump from one shore to the other shore. Do you see how that is in view from God's perspective? There isn't a one of us who's strong enough to tackle life by ourselves. There isn't a one of us who is self-sufficient. There isn't a one of us that can reject the help of the Lord and figure everything out on our own. 
we don't have the ability. So what does Isaiah do? He takes our eyes off of our own little bubble and puts them on the sovereignty of God, the everlasting, the eternal nature of God. He reminds us that he is the creator. He reminds us of these things. And then he says, don't kid yourself. Don't fool yourself. You're not going to be self-sufficient. But now he's going to shift gears one more time. We've looked at ourselves. Now we've looked at God. Now we've looked back at our humanity. And now... We're going to see his conclusion, verse 31. What a wonderful scripture. But they who wait for the Lord. Can I just take my time for a moment on this? But they who wait for the Lord. The Lord told me concerning this morning's sermon that I'm not preaching to everybody. The Lord said, you have a very specific, targeted audience today. Let me tell you the ones who I am preaching to. I am preaching to the Abrahams and the Sarahs. That God promised you a a, a promise. God promised you an Isaac. God made a promise to you. And now it has gone year after year after year. And yet that promise has not yet been fulfilled. Do you realize that Abraham and Sarah went 25 years waiting on Isaac to be born? The Lord said, Chad, you're preaching to Hannah's today. Hannah's who have been told they're going to be given a Samuel. But what happened to Hannah? Year after year after year, there was no movement. I am preaching today to they but they who will wait on the Lord. Are you part of they today? (laughs) Are you part of those who say, I'm not going to look at myself any longer. I'm not going to look at my circumstance any longer. I'm not going to say, why are my rights disregarded by God? I'm not going to say, why is my way hidden by God? I'm going to reject this victim mentality and I'm going to begin to look to God who is the creator to the ends of the earth. But they who wait on the Lord. I'm telling you, church, there is a special group of people where if you will choose to wait. And I'm going to talk to you today about some choices that you and I have to make. But for some of you that you will choose to wait. I'm telling you, there are blessings coming your way. God is pleased in our waiting. God is glorified in our waiting. God is exalted. He is magnified unlike anything else. When his people say, it is my pleasure to wait on the Lord. I'm going to show you today why God waits in your life. I'm going to show you today why God doesn't do everything speedily. I'm going to show you why there's a process. And I'm going to show you exactly what the Bible says. The reason why God at times will cause you to wait. But they, see, there's not too many Christians who's willing to wait. They're the ones who, they're going to say, okay, God, either you're going to come through or I'm going to go on and make it my own way. There are so many people today that they're not in church any longer. They're not walking with God any longer. They're not serving God any longer because God didn't do what they thought God should do when they thought God should do it. Can I remind you of our humanity? 
Can I remind you of our frailty? Can I remind you that he is God and we are not? And how many people today are hurt by the Lord? They're offended by God. They're disillusioned with God. Why? Because God didn't do what they thought he should when they thought he should. Friends, God's not glorified in that. Do you know what God has glorified in? David made a statement that my perspective changed greatly when, when I went blind. David said, I wait for you all the day long. You know, prior to blindness, I think, I think probably in my humanity, <laughs> in my sin, I probably would have read that like David saying, yeah, come on, God, I'm waiting all day long. <laughs> come on, God. Come on. Come on. Let's go. When? When? When I first went blind, I remember what my prayers were like. I remember how I would pray for healing and I would believe for healing. And I would say, God, how long? How long? How long? Uh, let, let me say, a.k.a., God, where's my redneck deer lamp? How long, God? Let me see. Let me see how long. Now when I read David's words, I wait for you all the day long. You know what I read in that now? It's my pleasure to wait, Lord. You're worth waiting on. You're worth it, Lord. Be glorified in my waiting. See, I had to come to a point, and the Lord has so graciously led me to these lush, green pastures. He's made me to lie down. And see, now I can say with all purity of heart, if God opens my eyes, okay, I'm fine. And if God says, wait, okay, I'm just fine. I'm just fine. If God says, Chad, I will restore and I'll give you 20-20 vision. I'm content. And if God says, see darkness 24 hours a day. I'm content. I'm content. I'm content. Why? Because the Lord is teaching me what it means to wait. To wait. Now let me show you what he taught me this week. This isn't for everybody. You spiritual Amazon Prime people, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. But they, they, they who will wait. Let me tell you what the Lord showed me. The Lord told me this week, the Lord said, Chad, let me show you where a lot of your impatience comes from. The Lord said, it's good that you're waiting on healing. It's good that you're waiting on a miracle. It's good that you believe 
that I'm going to open your eyes. And let me tell you, I believe it with all my heart. What I think we can't figure out sometimes is why does God wait? First Sunday of May this year, I sat on that wall and one brother came and put his hands on my eyes. And before I know it, I thought the platform was going to cave in. Do you remember that service? So many people praying. Do you realize nearly every single day someone comes up to me and says, Chad, I pray that God opens your eyes every single day. You have any idea how many people tell me that? How many people email me that live in other parts uh, of the country and the world who I've never met, maybe never will meet, and they email me and say, Pastor Chad, I listen to your preaching, and I pray for you every single day. When? When, oh Lord? When? But let me tell you what the Lord showed me. The Lord said, Chad... I want you to believe. I want you to hold on with all of your mind. I want you to trust me for things like that. I want you to believe in me. You're doing well in that regard. But the Lord said, let me show you where a lot of your impatience comes. And the Lord said, teach this to your people. The Lord showed me where so much of my impatience will come from. The Lord said, Chad, what you're doing is you're waiting on the results. You're waiting on the outcome. You're waiting for the miracle. You're waiting for the healing. Sometimes I get so excited in my heart because I think, I don't know how it's going to come. I don't know if I'm going to be asleep one night and I'm just going to wake up and God's going to restore my vision. I don't know if it's going to be in a prayer meeting. I don't know if somebody's going to lay hands on me. I don't know if it's going to be while I'm preaching. Could you imagine that? (laughs) May it be. Amen. But the, Lord, but the Lord said, Chad, here's where so much of your impatience comes. You're waiting on the result. You're waiting for the answer to the prayer. The Lord said, no, no, no. Let me teach you. Here's where patience comes. Notice what the text does not say. The Lord does, it does not say, but they who wait for the answer. For those who wait for the outcome, for those who wait for the result, for those who wait for the answer to prayer. No, what's it say? Those who wait for the Lord. And the Lord said, Chad, there's a great difference between waiting on answer to prayer and waiting on me. And the Lord said, when you wait on me, the Lord said, let me show you what that's like. That's when you learn, like David said, oh, Lord, I'll wait for you all the day long. Because you know what you begin to do? You began to be okay with the process. (laughs) You began to say, all right, God, you work your full uh, will. You do your good pleasure in me. When you wait on the Lord, that means that you wait for all of God's plans to unfold. You wait for all of God's will to be revealed. You wait for all of God's purposes to manifest in your life. Amen. There are things in your life right now that God wants to fulfill and he wants to accomplish and he wants to display and he wants to show to a lost and a dying world. Yes, God could answer your prayer right now, but think about all that would be lost if he did. All the process, all the blessing, all the contentment, 
all the fruits of the Holy Spirit that want to grow in your life. Think about all that would be forfeited if the Lord just snapped his finger and said, yes. Oh, there are times that God says yes immediately. Praise God for it. But praise God for the times he says, wait. But they who wait, not for answered prayer, as great as that is, but they who wait for the Lord. Are you willing to wait for the Lord, for his plans, for his purposes? for his will, for his process. There are mighty things God wants to do in your life. You know, I think sometimes it's like, you know, you've heard the old adage, uh, you know, don't just enjoy the destination, enjoy the journey, right? Don't just enjoy reaching the destination, enjoy the journey. I think it fits spiritually too. Don't just enjoy the answer to the prayer. Enjoy all the work God does leading up to the answer in prayer. Enjoy the way God changes you. Enjoy the way God matures you. Enjoy the way your faith grows. Enjoy the process. You know, someone told me, Harry told me several years ago. He said, Chad, the Lord told me, when your eyes come open, the Lord told me to tell you, you will say, It was worth it all. And I would go through it again. I believe that. I truly do. I believe it with all my heart. You know why? Because I tell people all the time. There has been far more gain through this than there has been loss. Far more gain. Enjoy the journey. Enjoy the process. They who wait For the Lord. Now, notice the next word. It says, shall. Shall. Oh, I like this. Shall. (laughs) You know what that is? That's a promise from God. That's a promise from God. Three times in this verse, he's going to say, shall. Now, let me tell you, sometimes when you're waiting on God, which is one of the most difficult things a believer will do, sometimes you just have to choose to stand on the promises of God. you got to take it by faith. And you have to say, no, if God says it, then I'm not only going to believe it, I'm going to live like it. Come on now, right? I'm going to live like it. People ask me all the time. They say, Chad, how come you don't wear those blind men glasses? How come you don't use a cane? Well, let me tell you. It's because I don't feel like a blind man. And I ain't going to act like one. Because I don't feel like one. And I don't live like one. Unless it's a high enough curve. And then, you know. (laughs) Or a half open door. (laughs) (laughs) But anyways. They shall. You know, sometimes you just, you got to stand on the promises of God. What do we say? Abraham and Sarah, they waited 25 years for God to do what he promised he would do. Romans chapter 4 is a riveting chapter about Abraham that you ought to not only read, you ought to commit it to memory. You ought to apply it to your life's situations. 
And you know what it says in verse 20? It says that Abraham did not weaken in his faith. Those 25 years. He didn't weaken, but he grew stronger. Let me tell you, that's, what, that's the testimony that I want for my life. I want to look back year after year and go, oh, I haven't weakened a bit. All I've done is grow stronger in my faith in the Lord. What a testimony to have. And let me tell you something furthermore. Abraham had but only one promise from God. You and I have thousands. Thousands in the word of God. If Abraham could trust God over one promise, what can you and I do with thousands of them? You and I need to stand on the promises of God and not back down. Can we say amen today? He says, they shall renew their strength. They shall renew their strength. They shall renew their strength. Now remember, in our humanity, what does verse 30 say? Uh, even youths are going to faint and grow weary. Even young men, men are going to fall with exhaustion. So this is not a human strength. This is not a self-reliant strength. This is not you going through life acting like nothing's wrong. What does he say? They shall... Renew their strength. Well, I want to know what kind of strength is he talking about? I want to know how do I get this kind of strength that he's talking about? Well, let me remind you the good gospel news. Anybody know what Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 says? Paul reminds the believers in Ephesus. He says there is a strength that you and I can have. And in the original language of the New Testament, in Greek, that word he uses for strength is endunamo. Oh, what a word. Some of you are taking notes going, wait, spell that. (laughs) Indunamo. Come on, say it with me. Indunamo. Oh, that's good. (laughs) One more time. Indunamo. Learn how to say it. Because let me tell you, it's a powerful thing when you begin to pray and you say, oh God, I need your Indunamo. Give me your endunamo. Because you know what that Greek word means? Oh, this is so beautiful. Paul uses it in his writings. But do you know where else it was used at this time? This was writings in Greek mythology. This is how they describe superhuman. In other words, supernatural strength. And Paul goes, whoa, 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 whoa. You're talking about Greek? No, huh? Oh, no, no, no. We're talking about the everlasting God. We're talking talking about the creator to the ends of the earth. We're talking about God will never faint. God never grows weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Paul goes, no, I'll take that word for the word of God. It is endunamo, meaning God will fill you with a superhuman. God will fill you with a supernatural strength. In other words, he will fill you with his glorious might. Ha! What a word from the Lord. And see, when you feel like you have no more strength left, oh, what a great place to be because that's where you say, God, I have no more strength. You give power to the faint. Those who have no might, you increase their strength. Verse 29, God, would you share with me your endu namo? 
your supernatural strength. Praise God. Think about what Paul says. Ephesians 6.10. Be strengthened. So you and I hear that and we go, oh, then what I need is a good eight-hour sleep. No, that won't fix it. Be strengthened. Oh, maybe I just need to exercise more. Maybe I need more clarity. Maybe I need to get out of town for a few days. I just need to clear my mind. No. Paul is talking about a spiritual, supernatural strength for your soul and for your body that comes from no other source except the fountain of living water, Jeremiah 2.13, except from the everlasting creator, Isaiah 40, 29, 28. Am I making sense today? Strength. Sometimes you have to choose to stand On the promises of God. You need to write this down. Sometimes you have to choose joy. You have to choose it. You have to choose it. You have to choose it. Nehemiah 8.10. What's the word say? The joy of the Lord is my strength. You're hearing me preach today. You're struggling today. You're in a valley today. You have no strength today. Where's your joy? Where's your joy? Is your joy in the outcomes of life? Is your joy in the answer to the prayer? Is your joy in the ultimate result? Is the joy in what you're hoping for? Is your joy in what you're praying for? Or is your joy in the everlasting God himself? Am I making sense to anybody? Joy. I want to choose joy in my life. But see, here's what we do so often. We choose happiness. Do you have any idea how many people throughout my pastoral career have told me, well, Pastor Chad, doesn't God just want me happy? I have to work hard. To not give a dumb look. (laughs) Happy. 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 Does God not want me happy? And what we do. And what we do. In our American dream culture, we chase happiness. And we pursue it with all our might. And there's something to be said. You know, God willing, this October, I'm going to lead a public community event on the Constitution and the bylaws, or or the uh, Bill of Rights. The Constitution and the Bill of Rights. I plan to do a very public event that I know God's going to bless. Let me tell you, there's something far greater than the pursuit of happiness. There is the joy of the believer. And you know what happens when we go after happiness? Happiness depends on the way things in life happen. 
So if things are going good, then you're good. If things are bad, you're bad. If they're high, you're high. If they're low, you're low. I don't want to live that way. I want to have a joy about me that is steady and constant, that no circumstance of life can shake. A joy. And you know what happens when I choose joy? You know what happens when I say, no, I may not be able to control this. I may not be able to fix that. I may not have an answer to that. I may not have the solution right now. That may be far outside of what I can change. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to choose joy. You know what comes into my life? The Indunamo. The Ephesians 6.10. The Nehemiah 8.10. The strength of the Lord begins to come into my life. And you know what Isaiah says? They... (laughs) Those who are willing to wait on the Lord, those who wait for God, those who say God's never late, so I'm going to learn to wait. You know what happens for those? You shall. There's the promise of God. You shall renew your strength. Amen? And what kind of strength am I talking about? One last verse on this. Man, on it. Amen. Woo! That fires me up. No head nodding on that. Colossians 1.29, Paul says for this end, to this conclusion, for this purpose, I toil, I labor. In other words, Paul says, I give it all I've got. I lay it all on the table. I don't hold anything back. I give all of myself over to the kingdom of God. Every toil, every labor, I give it all over to the Lord. And, but you know how he did it? Read it, Colossians 1.29. With the energy. What energy, Paul? What energy? With the energy, he powerfully works within me. Do you live in that kind of energy? When you get up tomorrow morning, you're going to wake up in God's energy. When you go throughout your week this week, are you going in God's energy? See, Paul could say, Oh, let, let me just explain this, and then I'll, I'll begin to wrap up. Uh, Paul, this is beautiful. Uh, I hadn't planned to say this, but let me get this out. Uh, verse 29, Colossians 1. That word for toil, the Greek word there, literally means to labor to the point of exhaustion. And do you know why Paul could utterly exhaust himself under the work of God? Because he lived in God's energy. Praise God. Some of you are so tired all the time. And not just physically. You're tired mentally. Oh, let me really tap into this right now. Some of you are tired emotionally. And you're exhausted. Some of you are tired spiritually. Some of you today, you can't even pray. Because you're tired. You know what you need today? Colossians 1.29. You need God's strength. You need God's energy. You say, Chad, what do I do? You choose to stand on God's promises. You choose joy. You got to fight for joy. You got to say, devil, you're not going to take my joy. Life circumstances will not take my joy. My joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And I take it by faith. Amen. 
And the more joy that produces in your life, the more strength you are going to find. And what, what will happen? You'll renew your strength. And then what does he say? You shall mount up with wings like eagles. As I get ready to conclude today, let me ask you this. Have you ever done any homework on the molting process of eagles? I encourage you to look it up. I encourage you to to find out what they say about the molting process. I think when Isaiah penned these words, I think this is what he had in mind. Let me tell you what happens with eagles very often. We know eagles are majestic animals. They represent our nation, and we we know that. But let me explain to you for a moment the actual process of molting that an eagle will go through. Many eagles find themselves, it's basically a season of depression. Eagles, when they go through this molting process, a few things happen to them. They'll have a hardened substance that begins to grow over their beak. And this is very painful for them. And their feathers begin to fall out. And many of them will completely pluck all the feathers out as they begin losing their feathers. They won't hunt any longer. They won't eat any longer. And because they're not flying and because they're not eating, they grow extremely weak. And instead of flying from majestic mountaintop to mountaintop, you know where that eagle begins to live? Down in the valley. And it can't eat, and it can't fly, and it can't hunt. There are some eagles that they die in that state. But let me tell you the eagles that come out of the valley. Let me tell you the eagles that overcome that circumstance. You know what happens to them? Older eagles... Eagles that have survived the experience. Eagles that know what it is to walk through a valley. Eagles that know what it is to not be able to fly at the moment or be able to hunt at the moment. You know what those eagles will do? They will go and they will hunt on their behalf. And they will fly over those lowly eagles and they'll drop fresh meat down to them. And the Lord told me today to bring some fresh meat to you. You that's down in the valley. You that's in a season of despair. You who feels like you can't go forward. And you that no longer you're flying on the promises of God. You're discouraged and you're depressed and you're down. Let me tell you, here is some fresh meat from the word of God. Amen. Get yourself in the word. It's the only thing that will bring you out. It's the word of God. You ought to memorize these verses in Isaiah. You ought to quote them to yourself. You ought to preach it to yourself. You ought to quote it over back to the devil. Amen? Let me tell you, there have been times I've had... Let me. Oh, I don't care if you think I'm crazy. I've had these dark spirits come against me. I've had times where depression has hit me out of nowhere. And you know what I've had to do? I've had to say, oh, no, no, devil. I'll quote every verse I know. And there have been times I felt that thing begin to leave. I said, nope, stay till I'm done. And I keep quoting. And I say, you're going to try to wear me out? I'm going to wear you out with the word of God. And then when I'm done, I'm done. And I say, go in Jesus' name. Too many of us, we let Satan slap us around. We give him ground that's already been won by Jesus.
We back up when God says stand. And I don't, I, I just, I'm tired of backing up. God tells me the gates of hell shall not prevail. So I'm going forward in Jesus' name. And I'm telling you today, if you're down in a valley, I'm telling you, you're going to come soaring out of your valley. Because I've given you today, by the Holy Spirit, I've given you fresh meat. Isaiah 40, 27, 28, 29, 30, and 31. Memorize it. Quote it. Preach it. Pray it. Declare it. And don't give Satan one inch. Don't even give him an inch. Because there's a promise to you. You shall renew your strength. (laughs) Amen? Maybe somebody beside you don't believe it yet. Look at him and say, you shall. Go ahead. You shall. You shall mount up with wings like eagles. You shall. Believe it today. Take hold of it. Say, Satan, you're done. You're done slapping me around. You're done. You're finished today. Amen. So here's what happens. This little eagle. Can you picture it? It don't even look like an eagle. Its feathers are gone. Some of you spiritually, you don't even look like yourself. You're wore out. It's hardened substance all over its beak. Let me tell you what happens. This little eagle, praise God, it begins to eat. It begins to get strength. This is exactly what Isaiah meant. It begins to renew its strength. And that eagle will go over to the rocks, they tell us. And that hardened substance, it'll start to beat that substance off against the rock. Clarity begins to come. And often, I mean, it's just not going to take off flying. It'll begin to climb out of that valley. And that's when you know it's going to survive. Let me tell you, child of God, you're going to survive. You're going to climb. You're going to climb out of this valley. Choose to stand. Choose joy. And don't give Satan one inch. Let's bow our heads today. God, some of us are in the process. Some of us are smacking a God. But that's okay. Some of us are believing you with all our heart, all our soul, all our strength, all our might. But yet you still say, wait. Like David, we say you're worth waiting on. We wait all the day long. It's our pleasure to wait on you, God. It's our pleasure. It's our pleasure. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, those of you who perhaps like myself, you've waited more on the outcome 
than you have on God. You've waited more for the result, even though the result is good, even though the result is faith-filled. You've put more faith in the result than you have in the Lord. And maybe that's a correction that, like my own life, the Lord wants to make today. Once you say, Lord, today I'm going to begin to wait on you. And that means I'm going to wait for your plans. I'm going to wait for the revealing. I'm going to let you manifest your goodness in my life. I will wait on the Lord. Maybe, maybe today you're not in that category of they. Perhaps you've tried to work your own angles. and You've tried to fix all the problems. You've tried to... You have tried to fix your family. You've tried to fix your children. You've tried to fix your marriage. You've tried to fix your finances. You've tried to do it. No, look to the everlasting God. Look to the Creator. Maybe today you're a little upset with God, if truth be told. You've come today, you've sang the songs, but in your heart of hearts... You feel like God's wronged you. Let me remind you, precious friend. His understanding is unsearchable. You don't see from his vantage point. You don't know what God's doing. You don't know what he's allowing. You don't know what God's orchestrating. That's why you have to walk by faith, child of God. Have you signed up for my weekly devotional email? Every Tuesday, I send out a devotion that will help you grow in your faith. Go to my website, awakentograce.com, scroll to the bottom of the page, and when you sign up and submit your email, you'll get a direct message from me every Tuesday. Sign up today at awakentograce.com.